Hello and welcome to Cancri, a home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. Honest to yourself, Sebastian. I, I try it's... to be. I think all of us have at least one lie that we tell ourselves on the daily, but uh, I, I try to cut past that. I like to hope to think. Why do you bring Absolutely. this up? Well, because I'm asking if this year you have been true to your own personality, spirit, or character. Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah, yeah. I, uh -huh. I ask it because every year we tend to take a look at the word of the year. Okay. And uh, Miriam Webster has put out their word of the year and it is authentic. That what? But okay, yeah. that's you know that word is pretty old. It's been around for a while. Yeah, it's not it's not a, it's not a new word. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it really says something about the sort of cultural zeitgeist moment that we're in, which a non stupid way of saying that is mm -hmm. I think we're in a, a moment in time where people I think want to feel real and connected especially with things like you know ballooning food prices you know mm -hmm. people were feeling quite disconnected and and sort of faking that uh, connection to to reality I don't know I think there's definitely been a push on on being authentic this year yeah, I, I just looked it up. It's uh, first attested in the mid-14th century. It, it's a pretty old word. But I guess the, when they're, they're saying word of the year, they're not talking about newly coined word of the year. They're talking about it as like the word that defines the year or the word that that captures, you know, the the essence of, you know, whatever's in, in newspapers and social media discussion and all that. Um. Which no, there was one word that came up that I think does mm -hmm. reflect what you were talking about more, and that's raise. Oh, God, I hate that word. <laughs> Mostly because it took me like three weeks to figure out what it even means. Um, as you know, I'm dating uh, a gentleman who's a, a, a bit younger than myself, and, and he uses all the the young people words and I'm in my forties and I would use a word and, and I would say, did I use that right? And he would just start laughing and say, no. And he gave me no hints about what I was doing. So I, I did know that Riz is short for charisma, but I didn't realize that it is, it, it's not just general friendliness or charm. It is specifically sexual charisma and the ability to attract someone you're attracted to. It took mm -hmm. me a while to well. figure that out. I think it's it's uh it yeah, doesn't it's just romantic mean appeal or charm. It, yeah. it means yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the charm of a player and that you're you're talented at acquiring partners, especially sexual partners, not necessarily for dating. Uh now it's a lot worth of trial noting. and error in me figuring that one out. And I, I fully admit even when I was young, I didn't get the young words. When I was in high school, people would be like, You're not using that word right. So I was just born to be an old man. So I when I when I realized I had no idea what people were talking about in my like late 20s, I didn't go through some kind of existential crisis. I was like, oh, more of the same, I guess. So, yeah, that's that's how I feel about that. that that's the glory of, of uh, being born an old man who never quite fit in is that aging is a very easy process for you. <laughs> 
But anyway, I know that um, the some of the the earlier creators, uh, you know, attributed to coining the term "res," mm. uh, claim that in fact it is not just a shortening of the word charisma; mm-hmm. that it is actually it, it has other oranges, but. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily, uh, you know, fleshed out. I think I think the consensus seems to be that uh, it's probably just charisma. So yeah, authenticity and charisma, or sorry, authenticity and res dominated uh, the words of the year. Other ones are obvious. X uh, became a word of the year, other words, a letter, and the company yeah. formerly known as Twitter. Coronation became a word of the year. I actually uh, egot I found... implode. A really good solution to the the uh, the struggle of saying Twitter or X or X formerly known as Twitter. I, I've seen a lot of people just started calling it Twitter X. That really does seem to split the difference there. It also makes it seem like you don't know what you're talking about. Like when people say like OS X instead of OS 10 or, you know, saw X instead of saw 10. Um, I don't know why Twitter 10, but there you go. It's one letter like it was just oh man there's been a few things controversial things that that elon musk did where i kind of fell on the side of like well you know i get it but this one is just a uh, baffling but yeah anyway sorry go on words of the no, year i mean that's yeah but yeah <laughs> we'll uh we'll keep an eye out on those and other words as they develop now there mm-hmm. was a story back in august and it caused Quite a kerfuffle, certainly, a kerfuffle. certainly quite a kerfuffle. Uh, there was a federal a court judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I think ruckus uh, would be an appropriate term, but not uh, a din. The, not not that bad. Well, in certain communities, it was a din. Oh. It was definitely a din. We're getting all those uh, crossword words out there. I know. Yeah, din is a great <laughs> word, three letter word. Uh, the federal mm-hmm. court judge Richard Bell mm-hmm. uh, caused a bit of an issue he mm-hmm. was uh adjudicating mm-hmm. a, a immigration case for colin james ewan he uses he him pronouns born mm-hmm. male is male he him all of that jazz mm-hmm. solid he was supposed to be deported from canada i think he's being put, uh, deported back to the uk for a uh an assault conviction that he had mm-hmm. um and this judge, Judge Bell, was reading over all of the documentation and found in, you know, these government forms. He mm-hmm. found in, I think, one page in one document, or, or if not, maybe a, a couple of times, that he had occasionally the he, him, pro forma pronouns uh, were they, them. Okay. And he said that the government will now have to review all of the documentation for these pronoun inconsistencies uh, and also to, you know, investigate whether or not the UK, uh, sorry, the Canadian government uh, had violated the man's charter rights by incorrectly using the pronoun use. Now, it's worth noting that James Bell, uh, sorry, Colin James Ewan, the person he, him, who was aggrieved, Mm -hmm. um, didn't actually notice and and didn't know. He didn't know. His lawyers didn't know. The Crown Prosecution lawyers didn't know. Nobody knew Uh except for the judge who had spotted this. Okay. 
So the judge is like, violation of the charter rights, sort it out, fix the paperwork. Obviously, Ewan Bell is thrilled. He's not being deported straight away. Mm -hmm. But the federal government and the prosecutors are thinking, like, this is this is a stretch. Not, not responding to a, I am aggrieved, it's the wrong pronouns. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, broadly, just not bothered. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? I mean, the, the charter rights... It, it doesn't mean you're not going to get deported for an unconvicted assault charge. It just means that they would probably have to issue an apology for getting the pronouns wrong, assuming that was even the case, which apparently it is not. So I don't know. The, the whole thing is bizarre. It, it's it, it's not like they're deporting him back to a country where he's going to get 20 years imprisonment for his gender identity either. So mm -hmm. there's no... There's no cause for him being like a a sexual minority refugee or anything either. So the whole thing is, it's um, it's one of those things where it's like I see what you're trying to do, but really, guy, I I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's probably the best interpretation. Like, good good job, good effort, you know, B plus, but uh, wrong place, wrong time. You know, you uh, nailed it. So <laughs> the three panel Court of Appeals judges uh, mm -hmm. in, you know, Canadian Court of Appeals reviewed it because the government, you know, Judge Bell is like, figure this out. Everybody tell me whether or not this violates charter rights. Mm -hmm. And the government was like, no, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. Like this yeah, is yeah. so superfluous to the actual immigration question of law yeah. that is supposed to be decided. Yeah. You know, lawyers are, are they, they they like to fix on the thing that they're focusing on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they appealed it, and the three court panel essentially said, "Look, the decision to quote inquire into whether the government's use of gender neutral pronouns and its submissions infringed on the charter rights." has no basis in immigration law. Mm -hmm. uh, and the judge effectively exceeded his jurisdiction, overstepped his role, mm -hmm. you know, quite simply, yeah. didn't stay in his lane. You know what I mean? Yeah, like as I said, if, if this were about asylum or refugee status or some kind of emergency immigration case because they were coming from um, a country with a you know, a few laws that were not so friendly to certain gender or, or sexual identities, then, I mean, I could see them putting together, like slapping together, like a, a quick, you know, uh, let, let's get some adjudication in here quickly. But no, it just doesn't apply. It's, uh, I don't know, it, it's overextension. Yeah, I think that's a good way. Yeah. Well, it, it caused quite the uproar in August, and I think we may have mentioned it in passing on the show, but mm -hmm. the idea that your court case could be called into question because a bureaucrat circled the wrong option, like, don't get me wrong, I am mm -hmm. all for efficient and correct bureaucracy, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But there is a genuine error and an attempt by the government to stifle your gender identity. And in this case, I don't think it was an attempt to stifle identity, especially no. <laughs> as, you know, it, it was this individual never brought it up. His lawyers never brought it up. It was the judge himself that right. wanted to dive into this. Now, as it happens, about two or three weeks later, Judge Bell retired from the bench. Okay. So I, you know, maybe he was on his way out and he's like, mm -hmm. you know what? 
yeah, wh- whatever, make busy work. <laughs> you know, you yeah, can yeah. stay in the country another two or three weeks, or I think it turned out to be about three and a half months, um, whilst they then decided on this. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Was it a Hail Mary to save the guy from going back to the UK? Who knows? But yeah. it really did question, like the 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 appeals panel's judges, I think really made it quite clear. Look, questions of charter rights. And in fact, if you remember, we talked about this with the um, Alberta school board discussion okay. uh, last week, okay. where that school board and this panel have said, wrong place, wrong time. You know, right. the Charter of Rights and Freedoms has, you know, there there are mechanisms and avenues to challenge when you feel aggrieved mm-hmm. you know bringing it up out of left field in an immigration case maybe not mm-hmm. you know challenging the school board maybe not mm-hmm. you know time and a place um you know you can't just bring a sledgehammer to your pottery class like it's just not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna work got it mm-hmm. i don't know why i thought sledgehammers and pottery but that's that's sort of where i where i ended up mm-hmm. Now I believe you don't need you to have a, with a power washer. Much better example. <laughs> much better example. Yeah. Uh, you actually have another Canadian story. Yes, coming out of Alberta. Uh, there is a, a a small town called Westlock. This kind of goes back to the kind of discussion we normally have at the beginning of summer when it comes to Pride season and crosswalks. So there is a a town called Westlock in Alberta that recently had a municipal, uh, not a, an election, a, a vote in their, their chamber of commerce. And actually, no, I think they're doing a plebiscite. Yeah, they're doing polls um, about whether or not they should allow the rainbow flag to be raised. And it's not just the rainbow flag. It's basically the idea of uh, we let it all in or we don't let any of it in. So they're they're kind of landing on the none of it side. So currently, uh, it stands to look like they're going to put in a municipal bylaw that on municipal property, so you can do whatever you want in your own private home. If you have a business, you can hang whatever you want in your window. But on lampposts, on municipal flagpoles, on anything with municipal funding like schools or hospitals, if they have a flagpole, you can put up the municipal flag, the provincial flag, the Canadian flag, end of list. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a way to get around things. So one of the organizers for this basically said, uh, or Stephanie Baker, I should, you know, their name's in the news, so it's fine. Um they said, I, I believe it's very important for the government to remain neutral, not to promote any one ideology or cause or anything above another. Where they play favorites, they can also later discriminate. They shouldn't have the power to either play favors or discriminate. So it's the idea of um, saying we choose to fly the rainbow flag also means that if they can do that, can they also turn around and say we refuse to fly um, some other group's flag because it's at their discretion you know you need a rule that says when do you do it when do you not do it and you could just say if somebody asks and there's no harm in it like they're not flying a a flag of a famous hate symbol for example um then it's fine but then of course you get into the issue of you know what if two different ethnic groups have a cultural week at the same time you know do you fly 
you know, the, the Ukrainian flag for the local, because it is Alberta, there's, they have a huge Ukrainian population there. Or do you fly the Greek flag because it just happens to be that they both have their thing in the same week? How do you resolve that issue? Just say none of it, just the official symbols. Now, we've had this discussion before, and I, I think of this as the best plan B. If you can't come to an agreement, just say, tell you what, just the official stuff. Um, I do think there could be an exception for BIAs. Like if you have a recognized village that you can put the rainbow flags on the, the lamppost there because that village has been recognized and identified. Same thing like if you have a little Italy, you can put Italian flags up. If you have a Chinatown, you can put Chinese flags up or Chinese symbols of some kind. Uh, the, the flag of China has symbolism as well to do with, you know, a certain political movement that is unpopular in Canada. But anyway, um, and they kind of said, no, we're, we're just, none of it, just the municipal stuff. And I'm actually all for it, but there is one loophole. And that is that when they did this, they forgot to include the Alexander First Nation because they actually have a ban treaty with a local indigenous community. And that, well, two actually. So they, you have a Cree community nearby and you have a Métis community nearby, and neither of them can fly their flags either. Now, because the ban treaty is part of the foundation of the municipality, I actually kind of agree with the, the complaint that why can't they fly their flags? Um, it is sort of written in the books. Why not them? And it is, in a sense, like the, the ban treaties are part of the municipality in their own way. So I don't know. The, the way that I see it is like they, they kind of forgot two exceptions, you know? And you could say... Yeah. Only put it where it's relevant. Like, you don't have to put the Métis flag at the local hospital. But, you know, if you have City Hall, it kind of belongs there. If you have a school that's, like, 90% Métis, then obviously it would go there. I don't know. It's Or if, if they have a community center that is municipally funded but caters to Indigenous communities, then obviously it should go there. I don't know. There, there's, there's a few exceptions here. And it is kind of getting more into the Indigenous issues and less into the queer issues. But, like, it's still, you know, it's... it's it's a it's a thing that that has been going across the country and they've come to this um conclusion now the biggest problem is that they're not going to grandfather anything in and they do already have some rainbow crosswalks painted so the issue is are they going to paint over them with white right away or are they just going to wait them to fade and the next time they because if they if they just let them fade and the next time they refresh the paint which has to happen every couple of years anyway then they did it white then and just left it alone i don't know it's kind of like rubbing salt in the wound if they do it right away if they rush to it versus if they're like it's money and the rainbow paint actually fades faster than the white paint and i don't know it's that is one interesting exception where i'm like i don't know what the answer to that is i can't even yeah. think i i disagree i think that they have gone in the wrong direction i okay. i it is it is a it's a thorny topic mm -hmm. about how municipalities should celebrate and empower elements of their community. Yes. Every time you're spending on a park in this neighborhood, you're not spending on a park in that neighborhood. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there are decisions that always have to be made. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, a key part of that that gets me thinking is, it just seems like it's pushing it out of sight, out of mind. Mm. You know what I mean? 
like there's never going to be a majority queer town council in rural Alberta because the numbers will just never stack up. Well, you don't know that they, about, they could get their own little province town or fire island one day. You know, at about at about four or five percent of the population, mm. you know, we're, we're always going to be in a minority, you know, and it could be the same for um, you know, the Jewish community or Chinese Canadians. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never gonna topple that 75, 80% majority to be able to decide, you know what? Yeah, it's just government official things. Yeah. And who decides what's government official flags? The majority. And who mm-hmm. are the majority? Nearly always straight. It's mm-hmm. like it's like the ones setting the rules. And not the ones that are being represented by these flags and the these initiatives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I think this further silences the minority, and more importantly, brushes away the symbolism of minority communities, be that LGBTQ, which is about four or five percent of the population, or you know, it could be the Chinese, it could be Jewish communities, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And municipalities have a responsibility to all of their representatives, mm-hmm. not just the folks that look and make up the, the the majority of the group. So I don't know. Maybe I'm too too lefty for this, and well, I'm, I mean, I'm landing also, on the side of flags. You could argue that the 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 country, the province, and the city is meant to represent everyone. And if you feel like you're not represented by that, then that's an issue. Uh, with you that they're trying to include everyone and another issue and this is something that has no answer that would take less than two hours is that the lgbt community itself can't agree on a flag do you go with rainbow classic do you go with progress do you go with progress with the asexual ring in it do you go with progress with the asexual ring and the the red umbrella like there's there's now uh an increasing number of possible rainbow flags to choose from and the community itself can't agree on a single symbol. I mean, you can go with Rainbow Classic. That is, you know, classic for a reason. It's been around forever. But then you have other people saying, well, why didn't you go with Progress Flag? Now you're leaving other people out. Like, it, it's it's an endless debate back and forth that even the LGBT community itself can't even agree on. Um, so, I mean... I'm, yeah, I, I get it. it. It's also a bit of a cop-out. Yeah. No flags because choosing which one is too difficult. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's like there's there's easier debates. All right, we're mm-hmm. gonna play uh, play now with Boys Beware and Mad Sai, uh, and then after that, the interview with Katie that I did, C A T I E, not a lovely lady called Katie, and mm-hmm. we'll be back Boys just beware. after this. Boys Beware. <laughs> I met a boy. From out of town Oh, he was perfect And he turned me upside down He had a smile That all the girls adored My mother warned me Don't you kiss the boy next door Boys, beware Cause he just toys With your emotion makes You feel like you've become insane He'll hug you with a knife behind His back and smell surprise
Now, this show is going out across the country uh, the week of um, the week of uh, the first week of December. So you might be hearing us on the 4th, 5th, 6th or 7th. And uh, as part of the efforts around um, World AIDS Day, we're going to have a conversation about where are we sitting at with HIV infections in Canada right now. But also a very exciting uh, um, initiative. And we've talked about this coming from, uh, I think it was the CRBC. No, that's a bank. The um, uh, research community research organization out of Vancouver, who I think also did a similar initiative in terms of rolling out uh, self-test kits. Um, but we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But first of all, thank you so much, Sean, for joining us. Um, it sounds like you've had a busy morning talking to media as the world's attention seems to zero in on HIV this week. Yeah, it's um, it's a bittersweet anniversary. It's, uh, you know, December 1st is coming up and it's World AIDS Day. And, um, you know, it reminds us of this uh, pandemic that started uh, many years ago and, you uh, reminds us that there's still a lot of work to be done to uh, end AIDS as a public health uh, issue for the future. Now, just for our, our listeners who may not be aware, there's approximately about 6,500 Canadians right now who are living with HIV um, and are di- undiagnosed. So the estimate, I think, is what one in 10, give or take, are, are not aware of the diagnosis. Yeah, Does that concern not... you? That's a lot of people. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think that we need to encourage uh, everyone who's sexually active to get an HIV test. And there are many ways you can do this. So, there are, um, you can go to a clinic, you can go to a doctor's office, um, but there's also an HIV self-test. And I think that's important because uh, it gives people yet another option. And self-testing is is really easy. It's simple. It's just a, a finger prick and you get the results in a minute and it's convenient. And you can get um, a uh, an HIV self-test kit uh, by going to this website called selftest.kd.ca, and I'll spell it out for your your listeners. That's S-E-L-F-T-E-S-T dot C-A-T-I-E dot C-A. And you can order self-test kit there. 
it comes with the instructions and uh, what to do. I'm taking a look at it and it is uh, it looks very, very simple and easy. And I think, you know, Canada and the world at large has been in a bit of a battle to uh, tackle this disease. And I think my understanding is right now the only province that seems to have a handle on it uh, is Newfoundland in terms of, you know, being able to, uh, you know, hopefully tamp down this uh the rate of new infections. Am I correct there? Is there other glimmers I'll, of hope across Canada? I'll have to get back to you on that. Um, I'm not, uh, I'll, I'll get our, our people to get back to you. So I'll just make a note of that. Um, no worries. Yeah, we uh, we can, we will definitely find, uh, find uh, the the source for that, uh, for that information. Yeah. I'm just uh, pulling it up here, actually. Um, I think I picked it up, that information up from the AIDS Committee of Ottawa. Okay, so that's yeah. uh, that's where they uh, they had it. They are the only province, Newfoundland and Labrador, to have achieved the 2025 AIDS target. Um, just for those who aren't familiar, uh, the Canadian AIDS target is 95% of people living with HIV knowing their status. 95% of those on effective treatment, and then 95% of those achieving viral suppression. So 95, 95, 95. In your opinion, having done all of the research and work in this area, are you optimistic about Canada hitting that goal? I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think we need uh, more work. And I think more people need to know their status because they're roughly uh, this proportion of people you mentioned earlier, almost 10% who do not know the, their current status. And many people don't know it because they don't think they're at risk because initially, you know, symptoms of HIV can be like a mild cold or, or, or mild flu, uh, you know, and so you, you don't associate it with with HIV because it's similar to other viruses, like like even a very mild case of COVID or something. So this is why testing is important for sexually active adults. And self-testing is a really simple and easy way to do it. You can do it in the privacy of your own home at a time that's convenient to you. And, and the result is really useful because if you're negative, you can talk to your doctor, nurse, or if you don't have a doctor or nurse, go to a pharmacist and ask, you know, what are some of the options I can, I can talk to you about, about staying negative from HIV? There is, for instance, a pill you can take every day that will protect you. Um, or if you're positive, you can then talk to the pharmacist about getting referred to a clinic if you don't have a doctor or nurse, or talk to your healthcare provider about um, how to stay healthy. Today, treatment options are better than ever. They're very safe. They're very simple. They're as simple as taking one pill once a day, you know, and, and just with an entire regimen in your pill, and over you know a period of a few months, that suppresses the virus. And so people who are on effective treatment uh, with HIV and their virus is suppressed, they do not pass on the virus to their sexual partner. And they're also in better health. And many people with HIV who use treatment today will live a long, healthy life well into their senior years. So times have really changed. 
I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, we've talked on the show in the past about pre-exposure prophylactics or or PrEP. And then I think you were referring to PEP, which I believe is post-exposure prophylactics. Um, You know, all in all, excellent, incredible tools. And we've also talked on the show before about campaigns around uh, undetectable equals untransmissible. And and with that idea of it being suppressed, uh, I'm I'm not going to say into nothing, but like within within a a sliver of margin of error of of nothing, because of course uh, they haven't quite been able to to nail down zero yet. Um, well, well yeah, actually, I, mean, I think actually, Luke, if if I may interrupt you just there, they have done well designed clinical trials, and if you are undetectable and stay undetectable in well-designed, large clinical trials, no cases of transmission have occurred. And and those trials were done um, almost 10 years ago. And um, since then, there have been no documented cases as well in the real world, uh, the everyday world of a clinic and, and things like that. So I think you can say people with HIV who are suppressed on treatment do not pass on the virus. It is zero. Absolutely. Um, I know that some folks are probably thinking, is HIV still uh, a huge area of concern, you know, in Canada? The uh, Public Health Agency of Canada for 2020 says that there was uh, 1,520 new cases uh, that came out. And we mentioned before, one in 10 of those um, not really being aware and potentially passing it on to others. For those who are listening who are sexually active and don't want to put themselves and those that they are having lovely times with uh, at risk, what advice would you give to folks who are, you know, thinking about how to be better prepared, um, you know, as they move forward? So for sexually active people I or people who have been sexually active, even if you're not now, um, I encourage you to, to uh, get tested. You can get a test going to your, your local pharmacy. You can go to a clinic and you can also get a test uh, mailed to your home through the uh, website that I talked about earlier. So get tested. And when you get your result, you can talk to a pharmacist uh, if you don't have a nurse or doctor. Um, talk to your pharmacist about if you're negative about options for staying negative. And those can include... Uh, taking that pill every day that I talked about. Um, it can, uh, it, it, there's also medicines available to take if um, you're not on that pill. And as you said, post-exposure prophylaxis, you know, the next day and so on. Um, <clears throat> but if you do test positive, uh, it's important to know that these days, a person with HIV can live a long, healthy life uh, by getting on treatment as soon as possible. Uh, Many people with HIV on treatment will live well into their senior years and live a healthy long life. So, you know, we've come a long way from from 30 or 40 years ago, and there are many options for prevention and treatment. And I just wanna tell you an interesting thing about prevention. Uh, Next year, probably from July onwards, June or July onwards, Health Canada is likely to approve yet another very exciting HIV prevention tool. And that's an injection you can get every couple of months. And so, you know, for people who don't want to take a pill every day and who can't, uh, this might be another option for them. So, you know, 
treatments or, you know, new treatments will be coming down the line, new prevention options will be coming down the line. It's an exciting time. And if, and if more and more people can get tested and be aware of their status, then I think, you know, within a five years or six years, we can, we can really make uh, new HIV infections a thing of the past. I just want to wrap up with, um, you know, th there's this sense that HIV has been the gay disease, um, which, of course, it it is not. Um, however, uh, we do know that about 46-ish percent of new cases are among gay, bisexual, and men who have sex with men. Um, but I wanted to zero in on some of the other stats that I think may surprise our listeners. And that's that 18.2% of new cases are among Indigenous folks. And then 22%-ish are with folks who inject drugs. And 32% are from among um, females, with another 33% uh, through heterosexual uh, intercourse. So it's not just the gay men here although of course as as a gay man it's <laughs> certainly something i i still uh and, and encourage other folks to take very seriously but indigenous folks women injection drug users straight folks you know these are segments of the population that maybe haven't paid as much attention to hiv in the past um and hopefully now you know we'll, we'll do so those are good points, Luke. I think um, your your point there is, you know, to extrapolate from that is that all sexually active people should be looking after their health, getting regular sexual health checkups, whether it's checkups for HIV and uh, sexually transmitted infections or other things. And HIV's affects, <coughs> excuse me, uh, different groups disproportionately in Canada, like you mentioned. Uh, men who have sex with men and so on, uh, but queer people, trans people, but also straight people. You know, a large chunk of uh, people with HIV are, are women as well, and indigenous folks and uh, people who use drugs and so on. So I think it's up to everybody to uh, to look after themselves and get tested. And, you know, we have a self-testing is available if you're a busy person and you want to do it in the privacy of your home. And, you know, once you test positive, talk to your pharmacist or nurse or doctor about ways of, uh, for instance, if you test positive, about ways of uh, looking after your health. There's simple treatments that you can take just one pill once a day, and they have almost no side effects. And, you know, they're, they're easy to take. There's also injectable treatments that you can get once every couple of months if you have difficulty taking pills or remembering to take them. And if you're negative, talk to your pharmacist or, or nurse or doctor about ways of staying negative. There, there are many options available and uh, there's a pill you can take every day, for instance, that prevents HIV infection. So there's lots of ways to look after yourself, whether you're positive or negative. Well, there is, uh, frankly, there's no excuse to not know uh, with uh, self-tests available, like you said, online, selftest.com. 
Katie, C-A-T-I-E dot C-A. Uh, this is part of a, a big federal initiative. I think it was like $8 million spent on about 200,000 self-task kits distributed by organizations such as Katie uh, with the goal, uh, fingers crossed, very much fingers crossed, um, of uh, you know maybe eliminating uh, HIV in Canada by 2030. I want to thank Sean Hossein, the medicine and... Uh, um, Sorry, the the medicine science and science medical. editor, yeah. science and yeah. medicine editor for yeah. uh, for Katie. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing with everyone listening some really sage advice uh, to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe. Thanks, Luke. Uh, best wishes for uh, a happy uh, holiday season. nous ici pour partager ce qui nous lit à la télé, à la radio. Vous entendez les mêmes mots Pour votre santé, allez-y Mais bien éloger
and welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And that was, what song was that? That was Bouget by Mika. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, another great new Mika track. Always a Mika fan. Now, earlier, I forgot to mention some Eurovision news. <laughs> and uh, heaven forbid that we go a whole show without me mentioning Eurovision. Mm-hmm. And that is that, uh, you know, Ollie Murs? No. No, not Ollie Murs. Ollie Alexander. I forgot. I got the wrong Ollie. Also, no. Yeah. So Ollie Alexander, Ollie, everyone should know Ollie Murs. But Ollie Alexander is, uh, Ollie Murs is a judge on The Voice in the UK, sidebar. But Ollie Alexander is the lead singer of the show, uh, of the band Years and Years. Okay. Uh, he also had an acting stint with It's a Sin, the HIV AIDS documentary miniseries, uh, not documentary, but the docudrama series um, out of the UK. I think Russell T. Davis I may have been behind that. Okay. Um, fantastic piece. Anyway, anyway, he is Britain's Troy Savan. is really the best way of, of knowing who this guy is. And okay. uh, is rumored to be running for the British entry to Eurovision. Now, Eurovision is seen as a bit of a graveyard for established musicians. Mm-hmm. And Ollie Alexander is definitely an established musician. Um, but there is an it's an interesting discussion about, uh, you know, will Britain be sending someone who could okay. actually win? Could actually win? Okay. Oh, I don't um, know. Like people are busting out the popcorn ready. Um, I just wanted to quickly recap some of the HIV stories based on the conversation from earlier. The AIDS memorial quilt in the UK has just been digitized, and you okay. can now actually see the the AIDS memorial quilt. Um, just for our listeners who may not be familiar, what's the significance of the AIDS memorial quilt? Oh, I mean. There's a whole series of them back in the early 90s and late 80s. And um, basically, it was just anyone who had someone that they loved pass away from HIV or AIDS. They, well, I mean, HIV turns into AIDS. HIV is harmless on its own. Um, they would make a commemorative square to sort of symbolize the person, sort of like the, a family quilt kind of idea where, you know, you have a something that represents them. It could just be their name. It could be symbolism that represented them in some way. It could just be a, uh, it could just be a square of their favorite color. It didn't matter. Um, and it was, although they usually prefer that you put in a little bit more effort than just a square of their favorite color. Uh, and then they were all stitched together into sort of like a, a family blanket of loved people from whoever participated in that. So normally it would be like the New York area, the San Francisco area, the Miami area. Um, sort of representing those who died of HIV. And uh, it started, where did it start? I think it did start in New York and then spread out from there, but I might be getting my history wrong. You're putting me on the spot. Um, but they did, they, they were very big in the late 80s, early 90s, especially. So the these quilts were often uh, put on display as just sort of a a, a way of symbolizing the sheer number of people who passed away locally because it the story isn't just the individual squares the story is also how big these quilts ended up being because a lot of people died of hiv unfortunately and some of these quilts are just massive 
It really is. So yeah. the one that's been digitized is, I want to say like 42 panels in the case. Okay. 40, yeah, 42 large pieces, that mm-hmm. quilts, uh, I mean, king-size bed sort of size. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's eight panels in each one, and there's 42 of them in the British quilt. Okay. I think the American one is bigger. I believe there's a Canadian quilt as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, commemorates folks who have died from HIV AIDS from the 1980s till the, the end of the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, folks have been adding to it ever since. But this is a huge thing. And uh, the Google Arts and Culture teamed up with a whole string of British HIV AIDS organizations, uh, the AIDS Quilt UK in particular, and the Terence Higgins Trust uh, to digitize it. They didn't just take fancy photographs. Um, it includes uh, quotes and comments from the people who did the quilting. Mm-hmm. And it also has some audio clips. As people talk about why they created their piece, the who the person is that they are remembering, the the lives lost, the, the potential that got taken away. You know, it was mm-hmm. a generation that got impacted. Um, so yeah, that, that's uh, that, that's now available online. You can find it. Just search UK AIDS Memorial Quilt, and uh, should be able to find it quite easily. The other one, the good news story I wanted to touch on because it's we don't tend to touch enough on it. The uh, UK government has expanded its program of opt out HIV testing. Uh, this has been doing incredibly well. They started over the summer. I think we we talked about it in brief. Um, but yeah, so they they have, we mentioned it in the interview, but part mm. of the issue with HIV is some folks just don't know that they have HIV. Mm. And if they're not getting tested for it, they will continue to not know they have yeah. HIV and very well may infect the next person they mm. have intimate relations with. So what the UK has done is for a number of, um, I think there's 46 new emergency departments being added um, in terms of, I think there were 32 of them before. And now at accident and emergency, if you arrive and you've got a broken leg or whatever, and they do some blood work, Mm -hmm. they will automatically test everyone who gets blood work for HIV. Specifically, and hep C, HIV, Hep B, Hep C, unless you are like, I'd rather plead ignorant and not know if I have Hep, <laughs> you know. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah they're, they're defaulting to testing, um, okay. which is which is huge. They've mm-hmm. already identified, and I think it started in August. They've already identified four thousand people who weren't aware that they had sexually transmitted infections or diseases. Oh, wow. Okay. Of all, yeah. all varieties, including... Well, the ones that they were testing for, Hep right, B, Hep okay. C, HIV. Okay. Yeah, which is huge. Because yeah. everyone that knows can be on treatment and can and and become undetectable, become untransmittable, mm-hmm. and stops being a vector for that disease to grow. So mm-hmm. this, this it's massive. I'd love to see something rolled out like this in Canada mm-hmm. um, to kind of really tackle that issue of not knowing that yeah. sort of dominates a lot of uh, um, the spread here. And those four thousand cases, uh, if you're throwing in the the hepatitises, um, that would include include people who just got it from salad that was washed in the wrong water like 
So, I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously it is about sexually transmitted infections, but it's also just about the general process of acquiring diseases that you may not know you have, because some of these can like lay dormant in your system where it is, and some people just, the way their immune system works, they just, they won the lottery, but also lost it at the same time. The, the, the viral load is low enough that they never really get symptoms until their liver just dies on them, but they are they do have a high enough viral load that they could pass it on. That awkward middle ground is a very strong space in terms of um, infecting the population further. And it's not just about sexually transmitted diseases. It's also about donating blood. It's also about, um, I mean, there's also sharing needles, unfortunately, but sharing needles doesn't mm -hmm. have to be about drugs. It could just be somebody who's sloppy with their, their, um, uh, um, insulin medication and somebody gets poked on a sharp like things like this can happen and if you know then you can be more careful it's I don't know I, th this is one of those things where it benefits everyone it's not just about the SDI there is a startup but startup gynecological um, uh, business in the UK that okay. is now sharing at home diagnostic tampons for STIs, sexually transmitted infections. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it looks at that sort of microbiome mm -hmm. and you, you would test it at home, you would uh, use the tampon. Mm -hmm. um, and then I believe that there is a, a screening kit um, that you have to pay for. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it's just like, it's giving people the ability to take their own health uh, literally into their own hands, mm -hmm. um, and and literally into other places. But it's it's yeah. that that that. I mean, I think this is great news. It's nice to see technology and innovation sort of yeah. moving forward. Um, the HIV uptake is something like twenty five to seventy five percent of people are are not opting out. Yeah. Um, so that's that's huge. It's huge. It just every every one person is a mm -hmm. win. Um, they, you know, it's not as of... good as a medical tricorder, but we're on our way. We are on our way to medical tricorders. Yeah. Uh, we have, however, run out of time. I did want to mention that I am now an extremist in Moscow. <laughs> um, the uh, uh -huh. the Russian courts have decided that the international LGBTQ movement. Mm. Um, I believe I am a card carrying member. Did you get yours in the mail? Uh, no, I've been I've been rejected because I'm a centrist. Oh, you're non-practicing. That might be yeah, I'm non-practicing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, they decided the whole LGBT community is extremist. Um, as much as we joke about it, uh, the Moscow yep. police did raid several bars last night. Uh, people were photographed, passports written down and notarized. Uh, it's what giving secret police was... vibe. There was no, they didn't get physical and there were no arrests made, but it was a clear intimidation tactic. It is oh, 100%. 100%. Yep. yep. All right. We have run out of time. That's all we've got time for today. Uh, we'll be playing out with... They decided the whole LGBT community is extremist. Um, as much as we joke about it, uh, the Moscow yep. police did raid several bars last night. Uh, people were photographed, passports written down and notarized. Uh, it's what giving secret was... police vibe. There was no, they didn't get physical and there were no arrests made, but it was a clear intimidation tactic. It is oh, 100%. 100%. Yep. 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 All right. We have run out of time. That's all we've got time for today. Uh, we'll be playing.